accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints, just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Broken Link, the season finale of the fourth season of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which aired on the 17th of June, 1996. Teleplay credit goes to Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Story credit goes to George Brozak. It's a unique episode in that it a uh, the free a freelancer actually pitched the episode and it's a season finale. Normally they fall to the writing room to come up with one, but this was originally scripted by a freelance pitch. In this episode, Odo is plagued by an unknown ailment that threatens to kill him. Meanwhile, the Federation and Klingon Empire move closer and closer to war. Clay, how are you? I'm good. Uh, learning that this was a freelance pitch actually makes a lot of sense because I was going to say that finally they wrote an episode where they worked backwards from how do we get Odo laid? Yes. And now that I know that it's a freelance pitch, that makes me feel like it's a fan fiction story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did he pitch the second half of the story which uh continues uh, on the uh all the new things quote unquote that Odo can do now that he's a human yes yes and there's a lot of pleasures that you'll be able to experience it with women in low-cut shirts coming up to you every couple seconds to explain things like that to you I, I mean think so. that's how it is for me I don't that's, know about you <laughs> that's how it is that's all there is to it so we're going to talk about this one. It's called Broken Link. So, Clay, take this broken link and learn to fly again. Learn to live so free. We're going to be back in a couple seconds. We're going to play an audio clip. We are going to discuss Broken Link. Excuse me, madam. May I have a moment of your time? You are a Cardassian. Oh, that's right. And on behalf of my people, I'd like to learn if there were any survivors after our attack on your homeland. Cardassian survivors? Yes. There were no Cardassian survivors. You mean they're all dead? They're dead. You're dead. Cardassia is dead. Your people were doomed the moment they attacked us. I believe that answers your question. It was a pleasure meeting you. All right, so season finale. We made it to the end, Clay. You have only missed two episodes of this season. Uh, you missed them mm-hmm. early, too. And now we've wrapped it all up with Broken Link, which both reintroduces the... Yeah, reintroduces. It brings the Klingon Empire back into things for a little bit. We meet the founders again, and Odo goes home, as he's always been wont to do, as he explained to Garrick uh, last season that that's all he wants to do. What do you think of uh, Broken Link, both as an episode um, and as a season finale? I'm kind of conflicted about this episode because I think the last 10 minutes or so are great, but everything up to that I found a little boring. Um, especially knowing it was the season finale, it seemed kind of, uh, um, I don't know. It just, it, it, it was, uh, there's, there's a scene, there's literally a scene that takes up like two or three minutes where O'Brien is speculating over whether or not his wife is like talking shit about him. Yep. Like it, it, it's, it's the definition of uh, we're just going to be on a ship while we're going from a to point A to B. And I don't know. It just, I mean what they ultimately do in the last 10 or 15 minutes or so I, I thought was really good, but I don't know the, the path they took to get there. I, I, I thought was, a, was a little bit, um, 
unfocused and kind of kind of boring. How do you, I don't know about how you feel about it. It's um, I agree that it's a very slow opening. It has a lot going on uh, in terms of like things that they're kind of introducing. It has a lot of uh, little character scenes, like you mentioned mm. there, where O'Brien is mentioning that he thinks his wife is talking about him behind his back, and uh, they have the other bit of business where. Um, when Odo or when Cisco is explaining to his senior staff about the message from Gowron at the very beginning, they have a little thing about Kira's pregnancy where she's sneezing and it gives them like a five minute stretch where they can get a bullshit with each other. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot of stuff like that. It's the, this is probably, this is either the worst or the second worst season finale that the show does. Um, yeah. The other bad one would be the first season, <clears throat> which mm-hmm. was the, uh, walk with the prophets or whatever into the hands of the prophets which was purely a Bajoran focused uh, political episode. Uh, this is probably the second weakness. It doesn't feel really like a season finale. It feels like they wrote it and then they got to the end and they're like, oh, Jesus, like we have to actually have like some kind of kicker to go into next season with. Yeah. And they introduced the Gowron thing. The, 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 the Gowron thing is, the Gowron thing is odd. And we're going to talk about this in the wrap up video. Um, the Klingons have been there all season. Mm-hmm. However, they haven't really been there. They've been in the background, and I, I think the show considers this to be a war, but I don't really... It seems to me like they're um, the Klingons are having a war with the Cardassians, and the Federation are just trying to not get involved with what's going on there. So mm-hmm. from the point of the view of the series for the entire season, you don't really see the Klingons all that much um, because they're working in the background. And then they just kind of bring it back here and have it be a reveal like this. And I don't know how well it really lands. If you if you haven't seen Gowron all season except for the opening episode, I don't really know how effective this was to do. But it, it's there's nothing wrong with it, and it kind of makes sense on a in terms of like the script that this would be the responsibility. It makes a lot of sense that a changeling would be have taken the place of Gowron, and that's why these increased um, hostilities have happened. Yeah, uh, because they're trying to play off against the Federation and the Cardassians, but at the same time, it's somewhat unsatisfying because we haven't seen the Klingons. What, what did you think? Um, <clears throat> I I didn't find the ending unsatisfying. I actually really liked it. Um, I think I think you have, like you're saying, the Klingons aren't really on screen that much, but they're definitely there. Uh, their presence is there, and so you never really forget that they're part of this conflict or part of the stalemate or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was more intrigued by the concept than by the fact that it was specifically Gowron. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't know. I kind I kind of feel like it would still work if it was you know any Klingon commander, or and you know if if it was some you know the if high ranking Klingon commander that we hadn't even seen before. Maybe it doesn't work as well, but yep. I think it's still, the concept still works. I mean, you know, they had been planting the seeds for um, infiltration uh, the whole season. And so to actually uh, have that play out on the Klingon side, I thought was was great. <clears throat> yeah, they, and I, it's tough. I mean, it's it's not as if we don't know Gowron either. You know, Gowron mm-hmm. is a character who's been there since TNG's sort of era, so it makes sense that it would be um, involving him. He's a character you know, and he's also the the high leader of the Klingon Empire, so it makes sense that a changeling has sort of infiltrated his way all the way up to that uh, point. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's good. 
Um, we ha- we also haven't seen the founders, I think, since the opening, if we even saw them at all this season. Besides, Yeah, that. it's been a while since we've seen them, at least not in that form anyway. I think w- there's been at least one, was it a Romulan or something? Or No, that was the, well, there was the, uh, the O'Brien one in Homefront, the one who said, look at the havoc we've wrought uh, in that horrible scene where O'Brien is uh, in, in Homefront in Paradise Lost where they go to Earth. Oh, I'm thinking of the one uh, played by the You Made Me Fucker guy from Seven. Oh. He, was, it, was he Romulan or was he one of those the, he was, the other the ear guys? The he was a Romulan. He was a Romulan in Vol the third season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, that was last season. All right. Yep. That was last season. So I don't know if we've seen them since then. I can't really remember. Um, the other sort of stuff going on with it is Odo's return to uh, the founders. And what, what's what's sort of interesting about this is remember the, the little scene in. Um, to the death where Wayun uh, accosts Odo in the hallway and they have a conversation where Odo says, leave me alone. If I order you to leave me alone, will you leave me alone? Sure. Uh, the, the, the Jemadar episode where Jeffrey Combs is playing Wayun the Vorta and they sort of, <clears> he has, <throat> he has a conversation with Odo um, just mm-hmm. saying that your people oh, right. forgive you yes. and they want okay. you to come back yep. in the, in the script for to the death, that episode, it was scripted that um, Wayun touches Odo in that scene, mm-hmm. and that was supposed to, that was the implication of the infection that Wayon had given him. They didn't film it that way. I think he does touch him, but it's the, the camera doesn't focus on it. Um, so the plan has been in motion for a while to bring Odo to bring him back and have the founders meet him again. Um, the Odo's shape shifting stuff. I don't know. How did the the judgment of the changelings against Odo work for you? Is that a good enough reason to bring him back, or do you think it was lacking in some way? Um, I think it's a good reason to bring him back. Uh, you know, it is a, it's the only time a changeling has harmed another changeling. So I feel like he needs to be brought up on some sort of, uh, review. Um, especially by a, uh, I hesitate to use the word people species that is, is so interlinked, obviously the way that they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it I think it makes sense. I think the punishment actually was pretty good. Uh and it I, I I'll be interested to see whether or not they they keep exploring it um now that he's gotten his emotion chip or if it's uh you know, just kind of like something that they do and then they don't really talk about it again for a while. Yeah, or if it becomes the emotion chip of generations in the movies and everything like that where Odo, Odo just turns it off when he wants to turn it off. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean like is is <laughs> Like two seasons from now, is Odo going to start to realize, oh, he can actually still shapeshift or some shit like that? Right. He, ne- he never he never got around to fixing it. Um, that's an interesting storyline, I guess. So I'll, I'll leave it uh, until we actually get to it. And and I think that the. It, it's it's kind of it's a fine storyline, I think, to get him there. It's it, it feels very. It feels a little bit cobbled together in some way. Yeah. Like I don't really believe that they'd all go to drop Odo off into Dominion territory, and um, you know, like Odo. Yes. What's oh, sorry, that? sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I, I was thinking the same thing. Like when they were on the, the Defiant again. I as soon as like fourteen hundred Jem Hadar ships showed up, I was like, "Why is Cisco on this ship? Yeah, they're flying into hostile territory with the c- captain of their space station on this ship. If they get killed, is or is he just?" Is he expendable? Is the whoever's leading DS9 not really 
that, <laughs> all that in the grand scheme of it, like, are they just going to plug in another guy and it doesn't really matter that he gets killed? I mean, what's the, uh, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like it, it's kind of a tough episode to talk about and I feel myself struggling a little bit just because it's, it's not really, it's not really super deep or anything. Like it doesn't need to be deep, but it's, it's really not much going on beyond what's on the surface in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, and like Odo's sickness and everything, like it's it's a fine little medical drama, but then they figure out what it is. They cure him very easily. He gets his punishment and then he's come back and it feels like it's more setting up for the next season than anything. The mm-hmm. the actual, the most interesting plot line to me is actually the Garrick plot line. Yeah, and yeah. they don't do much with it, but it, it's a nice little subtle thing of Garrick uh, goes along because he wants to know what happened to the ships uh, in that attack from the third season. He's He's obviously, he never says it outright, but he's obviously most concerned about Tane, uh, his mentor, who was on that ship, and he's trying to find him. Oh, and, I completely forgot about that. And he is, he runs into the female shapeshifter. The female shapeshifter basically cuts him down to size and says, fuck you. Like, you're, you're that dead. That was great. You're not, that you don't scene talk was great. Yeah, where and she then, was like, uh, uh, go ahead. You, were, you were doomed the moment they, that they were doomed the moment they attacked us. They're dead. She great. says, yeah. you are dead. Yeah. The Cardassians are dead. Uh, and Cardassia itself is dead. You're, you're dead the second you attacked us. Yeah. Um, and then it, it ends up in Garrick trying to uh, preemptively destroy the founders before uh, as sort of a vengeance thing, but also in his words to save the Alpha Quadrant and Worf has to stop him. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the really, that's the interesting story to me. You know, that's the one that actually has something going on beneath the surface about uh, Garrick sort of arguments about whether or not this is the right thing to do uh, with the founders. Like, there's always the thing in the back of your head, like, did the founders not aware that this could happen? Were the founders hoping that he would do something in order to kickstart a war with them? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, did, did you think anything about, about the uh, the Garrick scene? I like the scene with him and Worf. I like his whole, I find his whole storyline sort of believable <clears throat> and it like... It uh, fits both the character and sort of what the overall mission of the episode is. Yeah, no, I liked uh, I liked the Garrick stuff. Um, I like I liked he, he was put in charge of basically talking bullshit to Odo. Yeah, but in, <laughs> in doing Odo's that, mind. yeah, in doing that, they're actually also reestablishing the fact that he's kind of a uh, a scheming assassin, more mm-hmm. or less. Yeah. Um, so when he ultimately ends up trying to, uh, I thought the the only thing I didn't like about that is I felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like there was no what, what part it, of it. The like the um, from what I remember anyway, there's no moment where Worf or anybody else is picking up any change in in the way the things are. Uh, reacting you know, like this the systems are reacting it's just hard cut to wharf bursting into that room yes. where garrick is like you know fiddling with the chips and shit garrick, like, uh, garrick says he forgot to turn off one security system or something i think that's the implication but they don't they don't show that build up yeah i i you know i don't think you would have needed much i just i i think it just came so so much out of left field that i uh may, maybe could have benefited from uh, a quick beat like that but you know maybe it's not necessary yeah, yeah. I mean, do you do you find that character interaction believable? Is that Worf's position? Is that uh, Garrick's position? This it's it's interesting to me. This is a very um, I, I find it to be sort of a character defining moment for Garrick. I feel that to be a very Garricky type uh, thing where Garrick is the um, pragmatist 
in a lot of ways. Uh, he's willing to sacrifice. He's not self-serving like Ducat is in a lot of ways. He is willing to die for a cause that he believes in. Mm-hmm. And his self selfless nature there also has a sort of greater good in, inside of him, but he's also willing to do the dirty work that no one else wants to do if he's able to do something that he wants to, uh, that he thinks is the right outcome for it. And I mean, arguably, um, knowing that the war eventually is declared, it might have been a good idea to sort of preemptively, to preemptively take yeah, out the founders at this moment. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't entirely remember what Worf says in that scene, but uh, but I do find the he's a warrior, not a murderer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's believable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get it. Is it is interesting the way that they you know garrick is not entirely wrong um <clears throat> like i feel <sighs> the founders definitely have done enough to warrant an attack on them at this point um but yeah the uh um yeah they definitely have done enough to warrant an attack uh but yeah i don't know i so he's not entirely wrong but uh the federation is not taking that stance in this instance, you know, could, uh, I, I guess it would jump. It would probably, it would probably wouldn't solve anything. It probably would jumpstart a larger massive war, uh, unless somehow the defiant by itself managed to destroy the entire planet, which I don't know if it's, that's powerful, but that's what they say. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, <clears throat> it's odd because it, it kind of feels to me like the Klingon thing. Like it, it feels I like the story in and of itself for what mm-hmm. Garrick is doing. However, it feels like you could have led up into this a little bit better. Like, if you, if you had mentioned Garrick remembering Tane and remembering these things before the episode, it would have lent a little bit more of, like, this smoother transition to yeah. now that Garrick is there, this is Garrick's moment, this is his chance to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. And because it's all in this episode, and as you're saying, the scene where War finds him just comes out of nowhere, it feels very choppy in that way. And it feels the same way about the... The Klingon reveal, it's been there the whole time. However, it kind of feels like it's just an artificial twist at the end of the season that you're going to throw this in. It doesn't feel like it was something that was building to this point, even though I think the Klingon example is a better case if it was building, and this seems like an obvious end result of what the changelings are doing. But Garrick's storyline kind of suffers from the same issue. For yeah, me. I, w- I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think that I think the Klingon thing is a little bit uh, easier to swallow. Um but yeah, but yeah, they both they both do kind of come out of nowhere. And um, <clears throat> one other thing I kind of noticed: do the I'm always uh, interested in the way that the species of the Dominion interact. Are the way that the Jem'Hadar talk is that the way that you, if you were directing this episode and you had Dominion uh, forces where a founder is telling Jem'Hadar what to do, and the Jem'Hadar are uh, talking to the founders, mm-hmm. is this the tone that they would have? For you, um, I I do find it kind of funny that the Jem Hadar just talk like normal people. Yes, um, I, I find it funny that they t- well specifically that they talk to the founders like normal people. Yeah, yeah, kind of like they're just yeah. their boss as opposed to a god who's standing in front of them. Um, yeah, for for the way that they the Jem Hadar talk about the founders in other episodes, they don't seem to really have that sort of reverence for them here when yeah. they're in the same room with them. Yeah, it's it's very much of like, 
It's like, uh, you know, she, she tells them what to do and is obviously in control of them, but they're not very deferential to them in a way that you think. Like, I, I would expect the Jem'Hadar to wait for permission to talk, almost. They'd be in that kind yes. of a, a role yeah. to the founders. And the Jem'Hadar, maybe it's just the, I don't know, they're showing the tenuousness of the the founder hold over the species and that the species is capable of, like, almost breaking away at some point. It's just this addiction to this drug that they have a problem with. But they, they don't feel like they've been super successful in genetically modifying them to revere them for the, for everything they are, which is fair because we've seen countless previous episodes where Jem'Hadar is sort of wondering about whether or not this is the case. But I, I'd still, I still think you should have written those Jem'Hadar as outliers and the main forces of their army be more subservient to them. Um, mm. The Vorta could be different, but I feel the Jem'Hadar have to have that kind of role. Yeah, and I have found it strange that there is no Jem'Hadar voice you know, where the Klingons kind of have a voice, whether or not that's due to the teeth or not, I don't know. Uh, the, the Ferengi kind of have a voice. Uh, the Jim Hadar, it's like, it's just like, yeah, it's like, hi, I'm I'm Jim Hadar, Chris. I'll be yep. uh, I'll be escorting you to the brig today. Um, I, you know, I look forward to someday fighting a Klingon because I hear they're very good. Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's just a guy, and there's even one shot where. Uh, <clears throat> The Jem'Hadar guy is driving the ship, and he's saying something to Cisco. The camera is on him, and I could not tell it was him talking. Yes, because yeah. the guy was not acting through the makeup whatsoever. Yeah. So you couldn't see his mouth moving, and he just kind of sounded like he was just saying, "Yes, we're on our way to the planet. We'll be there in about forty-five minutes." You know, it, that, it was it was very like it was very middle management kind of delivery. <laughs> that was a very. That was a very odd scene. We we talked in the previous episode about like wasting time on a script of having to explain why you couldn't put Kira's baby back into Keiko. Mm-hmm. The whole this is all the technology we need so that you can't track where the homeworld is felt unnecessary to me. Like Yeah, he just put his pager on top of the dashboard and all of a sudden <laughs> they can't track anything. I, I, I feel that I feel that having that kind of tech isn't very gem hadari. Like I feel like these are all very nitpicky things, but I, I really want the Dominion uh presence to be felt like that feels like a Vorta role, you know, to me. Mm-hmm. This is getting really deep and it was too nerdy into like the roles, but the Jem'Hadar should just be kind of attack dogs, in my opinion. Right, And yeah. them wasting time of being like, this is all the tech we're going to use to hide where we're going, and you need to give up your seats, and this Jem'Hadar is going to fly the ship, and now we're going to make the view screen fuzzy. It, it felt to me a lot like killing time. And I think in a season finale, killing time yeah. is probably a hallmark of a very bad season finale, if you think about it. Like, you should be pretty balls to the wall, I think, trying to wrap stuff up or kick start it to the next season. And having a Jem'Hadar explain all this stuff that he's doing was not uh, really what I was looking for. Yeah, there's a lot of killing time in this episode. There's literally two scenes where there's people just sitting around waiting. Yeah. Uh, there's the scene on the Defiant when they're flying and he, O'Brien's just talking about his wife. And then there's the scene later where where uh, Bashir and Cisco are waiting for Odo to come out. And it's just like they're just sitting there just like kicking rocks and shit for weird, like weird, two weird minutes. Beat. Yeah, Bashir is going to throw the rock into the thing, and Cisco's like, hey, those are people. I, I, Don't I throw actually thought rock that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah I, you, I you actually thought. like that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, as far as like story goes, yeah, you know, I, I'm I, I'm definitely not coming to this show to watch people sit around and do nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're just reinforcing the negative stereotype of it I already have. Um. Also... Why didn't he just turn into goop and like go into a bucket instead of taking 20 minutes to walk to the ship? 
Or like, why is he struggling so hard? I mean, maybe that's part of the point. You know, they, they punish him by turning him into what he wants to be. But like, if you're falling apart and your natural state is that goop shit, why don't you just turn into goop and just, you know, relax a little bit? Okay, so technical problems aside, Clay, we're not going to let that stop us. Um, it's, Anybody know where Garrick is? Because maybe he's sabotaging our recording. He's in the bowels of this podcast studio, pulling out isolinear chips and only the way the Star Trek episode can be. I don't know. I feel, um, I, I feel we're both struggling a bit to talk about this episode, and it's it's not like it's bad. Um, mm. it's just that it's, it doesn't feel like a season finale, really. Like, is that the biggest no. failing of it? Uh, probably. I think it feels, it actually kind of feels like a two-parter. Um, and I mean, obviously because of the way that it ends. Uh, but if I was, <clears throat> if I was, um, watching this knowing it was a seat, well, I mean, I was watching it knowing it was a season finale. Um, as I would be watching it, I, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe this is going to be a two-parter thing because it had that kind of like, like you're saying, stalling for time kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it had that kind of slow build where you're wondering, they, they can't possibly resolve all this, so we're going to have to go to a part two. Yeah, and it's like they've got a, they've got, they don't, they've got enough ideas for like one and a half episodes, so they have to kind of pad out the first one so they can, you know, uh, reach two, that kind of thing. Yeah, yep. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know about this one. It's yeah, not a gr- not a great finale. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I have. Let me see here. I think that's that's all. It's pretty much all mine. I mean, even my notes are kind of weird. Like I, I don't have any, I don't have anything thematic to talk about. It's like, what, what do I think of the founder homeworld? It's like stuff like that. Like I'm like remarking on the, um, yeah. the visuals of the episode and stuff like that. Um, Did anybody noteworthy direct it? I didn't. I didn't catch it. Who directed this? Les Landau, just a staff director oh, okay. on the show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not really, I, I guess we're kind of just, it, it's disappointing just because it's been such a good season. It's kind of disappointing to go out like this, but I think we might just have to go to final thoughts at this point. Or we could try and speculate on what Keiko and here <laughs> we're talking, we're talking about, about. <laughs> in full earshot of their child. His, um, and I, I like that he's going to invite. They should just follow through with the Julian. Uh, should just live with them, and every every scene should just take place in the O'Brien's quarters, where because everyone is living there now, and everyone is having a very good time with each other. Spinoff, <laughs> the lighthearted spinoffs. Let's just do final thoughts. I actually, I'm actually saving quite a bit for the wrap up podcast. Um, uh, because I you think, are also saving it for the second half of the show. <laughs> That's right. So I think we'll just call it uh, a, a day for this one, but we're going to take a break, play an audio clip. We'll come back. We're going to listen to some patron thoughts or read some patron thoughts, and then me and you are going to give our final thoughts and then call it a day. Captain. It's him. Gollum. What about him? During the link, I sensed that the other changelings were trying to hide things from me. Faces. Names. One of them was him. What are you saying? I'm saying that he's one of them. Gauron, the head of the Klingon Empire, is a changeling. All right, so, patron thoughts. If you guys support the show on Patreon... 
facebook.com slash the Penske file. You get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We'll read them on the podcast. Sam Nuclear Russell says, Broken Link, I have to believe Garrick's plan wouldn't have worked given the founder's paranoia and wonder if the female changeling was deliberately winding him up, thinking that if he attacked, she could use it to prove to Odo that the solids didn't care about him. See, he's do- you're doing a lot more work than the show is here. Yes, <laughs> that's the- I-, I would agree with that. Although, yeah, it's 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 too bad. But anyway, Broken Link, uh, Neil Brennan says, Highlight, Garrick versus Worf. Never has a fight between two people not very good at stunt fighting been so much fun. The low light. <laughs> the final revelation did not hit me that hard. More build for Gowron would have been nice, I guess. I actually like the Garrick and Worf fight. Um for what it is. Uh I think it en- it ends appropriately. Worf sort of beats him up a little bit. Um Garrick tries to play off Worf's emotion, doesn't really work, all that kind of stuff. And the the stunt fighting was okay for the two of those guys. Matthew Ross says, Broken Link, I wanted to like this Odo Pinocchio story, but it was so rushed to me that it felt like they were sweeping up to get her done. Here's a question. When did the changelings implant the eczema bomb on him? And that darn communicator he wears is oddly real this time, but not others. The trip to the Dominion is also odd. Why bother trying to make Odo better? Just shoot him. He killed another changeling. Garrick's matchmaking is cute, and his concern seemed real, but I always watched him with a skewed eye. And duh, they're all dead on that invasion, even if they if they weren't with the Dominion tell the tailor. The reveal of uh, Gowron was really well done. That he was a plant makes you wonder when exactly the Dominion arrived in the Alpha Quadrant. From the Cardassian invasion, before, Quirk's good nature helping his nemesis is always fun to watch, but uh, overall the highlights is the Gowron reveal because deep down we all know Pinocchio would one day turn back into goo. In the last comment, Kyle Barrett says, Broken Link, I really like the character stuff with Odo, but the larger scale moments with Gowron and Garrick's plan fall a bit flat for me. I still like the episode a fair amount, but it's probably my second least favorite season finale after the first seasons. However, I do really enjoy the little conversations the crew have in their downtime. There would have been more of these there have been more of these scenes lately, and seeing the characters act in a natural way adds realism to the show. And after a season's worth of shouting at people, it's nice to see Cisco be a part of them. After four seasons, I feel like I understand these characters and that what they get up to when the, what they would get up to when the cameras aren't rolling, more so than the folks on TNG after its seven seasons. Yes, I'd agree with that. Um, thank you, patrons. Thank you for chiming in with your thoughts. Clay, what are you going to give this one? Broken Link. Mm, three. Yeah, I think it's a it's a three for me as well. Have uh, we had anything less than a three this season? Maybe this is a conversation for the next show, but we have. Has there been any? Is there, it hasn't been many though, right? There's only been three twos in this season. For me, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I I don't remember you ever going significantly lower than me so i can't imagine your list would be much different yeah i uh well i mean i'm checking my list that i definitely keep uh, <laughs> and i, I, I think you're right i wasn't about to add another column to my spreadsheet for you but <laughs> i don't remember things being much different there was no episode frankly, that you were I, frankly i'm kind of surprised you don't have one already i know i, I know <laughs> well I was thinking about adding one, but then I was like, well, I can't, I don't want to go back and listen to all of the previous podcasts to get your ratings on. I don't want to start halfway through. So we'll, we'll see. Well, I can guarantee you that there's someone who is listening that can tell us what all of my ratings are. Probably, yes. So. Someone, someone please chime in. Let me know if Clay has more than three twos in this entire season, but we'll save most of that for the wrap up. Um, I'm going to give this one a three as well. It's a pretty, it's a pretty generic episode. It's not, it's not terrible. It's a letdown for being a season finale, but I think that it's it's perfectly everything is just fine. Like I'm like, okay, this is a fine way to go with this. This is this is fine. This is okay. This is whatever. Uh, none of it really blows my socks off, even if I do think that it'll end up in a better place. But that's that's my mm-hmm. take on the whole thing. 
Yeah, I would agree. Guys, thank you very much. There's kind of a weird episode, a weird finale, uh, season finale for the show, but they do get better. This is, I'd agree with Kyle, this is one of the worst two season finales that the show ever does. Um, the next one is very good, so we have that to look forward to. Um, that's about it. Always the next one. Uh, just keep watching. Keep watching till the next end of the next season. It's next really things will change. Next things will change. And we'll have to. Um, Books four through five and six and nine are terrible, but uh, book thirteen is where it gets real good. <laughs> and this is coming from someone who um, I would get a lot of happiness if George R. R. Martin. Not that I wish him ill or wish he would die or anything, but just if he just gave up writing those books. I would, mm-hmm. I would, I, that would make me very happy. The amount, the amount of pain that would cause people who have been reading all these books, and then for him to to not finish his last one, I, I would find that very satisfying on some level. You know, I, I, I won't, I won't be surprised if he doesn't finish it because, like, I know that the show is going in a different direction than he is, but it kind of takes the wind out of your sails a bit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're telling a story and then you're getting to the end of your story and somebody else pops in and says uh he he already told me this story let me give you the cliff notes version yeah someone steals your like, punchline well, from your joke yeah that you're gonna tell yeah you. it's like why, why even bother finishing the story at that point you know who gives a shit i mean he's <laughs> it's not like he's needs the money yeah yep no i just publish publish an outline just do it like 14 <laughs> pages of just like bullet points of what happens put that out that'll sell like a billion copies yeah, and then call it a day. Go don't even, don't island. even don't even charge like a nickel for it to download it. And mm. Just get get your you know hundred thousand dollars and call it to call it a day. There, it's it's not worth killing yourself over George R. R. Martin. But um, I'd also yeah don't uh, lesson to people don't get invested in huge fantasy novels from people who are past the midpoint of the average lifespan. I think is a good <laughs> idea too. Uh, it's just I thought you were going to go be a little more cynical, even more cynical than that. Be like lesson to people don't get invested in things. <laughs> Because it's just it's just a setup for for feeling bad. Well, I, I have to get you invested in season five of DS Nine, so I can't tell I can't tell a lie such as that. But um, mm-hmm. we're going to have a wrap up episode. I do have a lot to say about the wrap up episode. I think that the wrap up episode is going to be a much more interesting podcast than this one because I think that it ties into everything that we've seen in a much better way. So all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, go there if you want to talk. Patreon.com slash the Penske Pal. If you want to support the show, a couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, you get podcasts, you get videos, blah, blah, blah. Thank you very much, patrons, for supporting the show. You make all of this possible. Um, and then rate the show on iTunes if you can. That's always a very, very helpful thing to do. Gets the ratings out there. Use your phone if you have an iPhone. Go ahead and do that. And as always, thank you. I forget to do this, but thank you to the Captain Tier patrons on Patreon Stephen Cobb, Eric Johnson, Jay Stanley, David K., Nick Sergi. Nathan Elliott, Michael Pond, Matthew Cutler, Will Yates, Matt Flores, Samuel Custer, Santos Gonzalez, Robert Cummins, Andrew Cherlog, Spinobi, Russ Graham, Decker Sebastiani, Neil Brennan, Bradley Killens, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Tark Latif. Guys, thank you very much. You make the show possible. Much appreciated. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we wrap this up? Um, no. Guys, we will be back with a wrap-up video, and then we are going to be into Season 5, which starts off with Apocalypse Rising which is an excellent title. Uh, But this is Broken Link. Clay, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Guys, we will see you next time.